0: Well, today we just to focus on a few lines here from our first reading and also from our psalm and tied in a little bit with our gospel. This is very interesting here, our first reading from Jeremiah. The Lord says through the prophet, They, speaking of the people of Israel, have not obeyed me or paid heed. Uh they've stiffened their necks. Um, and it says, They've walked in the hardness of their hearts, and they turned their backs, not their faces, to me. They turned their backs, not their faces. To me, that's interesting. It presupposes that God has a face. Then you can direct yourself towards his face or you can direct yourself away from his face. Okay, So it presupposes that God is, has a face. But if the divine nature is not bodily, what are we talking about here? Okay, It's not literal. You shouldn't read it in a kind of a literal sense. Uh, but it's really not a metaphor either. Rather, there's something kind of deeper going on here. When we think of this ability for us to actually face God and, and orient ourselves in his direction and towards him uh, and engage his face with our face, what we're really talking about is that the, the human face really itself is a signifier and it reflects the fact that God is personal and that he's a relational being. Okay, So the fact that we have a face and we can pay attention to someone else's face That's a reflection of a deeper reality. We're made in the image of God. And what that means is not that God is a body, but that he's a relational being. He's a personal being who's able to come into relationship. Of course, within the mystery of God himself, there are persons who are in relation with each other, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So God would be a personal and relational being even if Nothing exi- Nothing outside of God existed. If the universe didn't exist, if no human being existed, God would still be a relational and personal being. And so when he has made us in his image, he's made us also relational and personal. Isn't that kind of an amazing thing? You can, you can look at someone in the face, and if they're talking to you and you do this, well, you're like, hey, what? Hey, what are you doing? Turn back to me. Come on. It's really insulting. It's really, really insulting. <laughs> and it's clear that they're not listening. You know, husbands and wives know all about this, right? The wife just starts going, and the husband gets tired of listening. You know, it's like a listening marathon. You know what I mean? So he just stops. Uh... <laughs> so the the wife gets to say, hey, "Wait a second! Would you would you look at me when I'm talking to you? You're not paying attention." Oh yes. Uh... <laughs> all right. I'm just joking. But it, we know this in our relationships in general with everybody. Okay, if we want to be polite. Okay, we, we look at someone in the face and we, and that's a sign that we're listening to them. So, so it is with God. We want to listen deeply to Him and we want to have a relationship with Him because He wants to have a relationship with us and it's a personal communion that we're talking about here. Now, when we don't listen to people and we don't treat them as persons who are endowed with their own sort of meaning and mystery and depth. I mean, I'm always amazed about how deep other human beings are. And if you think you really know another person, you're wrong, okay? Because there's always this endless depth to who they are. And in any kind of relationship, whether it's to be friends or a spousal relationship or any kind of relationship, there's always deeper and deeper levels of mystery of that other person that we can uncover. So we should never think that we've really got everybody totally figured out and put them in a box. When you do that, when you put people in a box and you kind of compartmentalize them and you sort of make them an, an extension of your own sort of presuppositions and assumptions, you depersonalize them. And you situate yourself in such a way that you're not listen, you can't listen to them. You really can't hear who they really are. And you fall out of communion with them. You're not really in communion with another person. Okay, only two mysteries can be in communion with each other. All right? If you've got someone completely, totally figured out and they're no longer a mystery, you're probably not in communion with them. You're probably, it, you know, you just have an idea of who that person is. You're not uh, reality-based. You're idealized-based, okay? And that's a, that's a kind of a depersonalized way of relating to things. If that's true for persons, for, for human beings, I should say, all the more so true is it's going to be for God. God is is an infinite mystery. There's depths and depths and depths and depths. To God. And in fact, in the beatific vision, in eternity, Lord willing, if we're there and we make it, when we behold God with the eyes of our mind, when we behold the Blessed Trinity, there's gonna be no end to the depths, uh, into which we travel. We'll always be learning more about God. It's not gonna be boring, you know? Sometimes little kids imagine heaven is like this really boring place, like we're just gonna be on clouds playing harps, like, forever? Come on, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's really boring. I don't want to do that. I want to play video games. Um, but the reality of it is, is that, that eternity is not boring at all, because there's always change. There's always growth. We're always going to be growing in our knowledge, uh, in our personal relationship with God, in the depths of the mystery of uncovering more and more t- of who he is. Uh, this is the problem we see in our gospel, I think, is that Jesus has been put in a box by his adversaries. They're not truly listening to him. Oh, you know, he's a magician. He's working his miracles by the power of the devil. Oh, if you're really who you think you are, then, you know, they have a certain kind of assumption that if you're really the Messiah, you're going to be able to do a miracle X, Y, and Z instead of the miracles that he's really provided to them to prove who he is. All right. So they're they're, they're crushing him into their kind of They're prefabricated assumptions. And they're not able to really embrace him in his reality and who he is. Consequently, they can't hear him. Consequently, they miss him. Isn't that a tragedy? God has so much for us. And if he passes by and we don't recognize him, we don't listen to him, how much we miss out on so much. We miss out on so much. So, my brothers and sisters, this Lent, let's not turn our backs to God. Let's turn our faces to him. Let's orient the whole of our being towards him. Uh, let's not put him in a box. Let's stand before him in the, the utter mystery that he is in a humble position of the student, learning more about him, able and open to learn more about him. Uh, and and therefore and thereby, let's not miss out on what the, the great things that he has for us this Lent and this Easter.